Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, I'm a sales coach and speaker. I work with entrepreneurs, business owners and coaches in making them feel more comfortable and confident in how they position themselves and sell in their own natural way to their customers. I also work with a variety of individuals in the world of sales, from those just starting out their career to those working from an exec or director level. In today's episode, I'm joined by best-selling author of The Leadership Gap, keynote and TEDx speaker and executive coach Lolly Daskal. And Lolly and I are going to be talking all about what makes a great leader. We're going to start by discussing what attributes and traits within us can make us effective and great leaders. And also on the flip side, what attributes stop us from becoming great leaders. Lolly's also going to be sharing some tips for people wanting to develop their leadership skills, giving you a bit more of an insight into her book and how it will enable you to become a more effective leader, and also a bit more of an insight into her story. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Lolly, welcome. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. It's a real privilege. Great. Great. So, Lolly, for first of all, for the for the listeners that are tuning in that might not be too familiar with with who you are, your story, it'd be great to start off with a, with a bit of an overview, really, of of what got you to where you are today and uh, a bit of a backstory. So, who am I? My name is Lolly Daskal, and for the past three decades, I have been a leadership coach. Um, and you could say. I didn't wake up one morning and decide I want to be a coach or a leadership coach. It's one of these fantastical stories where you think that you're going down one path in your life and then life gives you an opportunity. Someone says to you, oh, I love what you just taught me in a class. Would you be able to work with me one-on-one as my coach? And the first thing you say to yourself is, what's a coach and what does that even mean? And the first thing when that happens, when, you, when you're not familiar with something, you might be saying to yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Why are they asking me? And I'll never forget, I said to myself, Lolly, if you have to learn it, if you have to become the best at it, just say yes. And I remember standing in front of him and I said, yes, whatever it takes, I'll do it. And then in order to be really good at what I just said I would do, I did take myself back to school. I did get certifications. I did everything that I could be to be the best coach. But at the time, I didn't even know what I said yes to. Once I started to take the psychology classes, even the philosophy classes and business management classes, it was, oh, wow, that was a big yes. So it's good that I was much, much younger because then I was more courageous and I didn't know what I was getting into. And I said, yes, I'll be your coach. <laughs> and till today, he's still my client. Lolly, just quickly, and I'll edit this bit out. Um, do you have headphones on? Because it seems like there's a little rustling when you're speaking sometimes. No, uh, no, I don't have headphones. Um, but let me see what I could do. Um, just give me one minute and tell me yeah, if sure. it's better. No worries. Okay, what about now if I just continue to talk this way? Yeah, that's much better. I think there were certain words where it was just kind of coming in a bit sharp and on the phone, so that's that's a lot better. Okay, I'm not holding my phone. I put my phone down on a charger. Oh, great. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. All right, I'll just give it a few seconds and I'll, I'll carry on from there anyway. Okay. 
great well you know thank you for that lolly um you know for, for me personally when i came across your book which we can go into a bit more detail a bit later on on the podcast and uh, your story and also what what you talk about it really intrigued me in terms of you know what you're what you've been exploring your own personal story and how you've led that to kind of serve you to this day really with the people that you you work with and um present to as well and it kind of leads on nicely to the the topic that we're going to be discussing about today um, which obviously relates to leadership and i think when it comes to talking about leaders from a leadership perspective people's minds will probably go to their particular favorite leader or think you know he's a great example of a leader whether it's a steve jobs whether it's a bill gates whether it's someone like that but i feel like there's still a bit of a lack of misunderstanding and misinterpretation of what makes a great leader particularly the makeup of one and how people can start to develop this within themselves to become that great leader so to start off with what do you think from your perspective are some of the attributes that make a good or great leader So before we even get to the attributes, I want to talk about a very important point that I found that is imperative when we talk about leadership. Most of my clients ask me the same question that you just asked me. What skills do I need? What process do I need? And I always say that if you're looking for some skills and a process, I am the wrong coach. And they always say, what? But you've been so successful with my, you know, I get recommended a lot. Oh, you've been so successful with this client and that client. And I say, because what I concentrate is not so much about what you do and how you do it, but I concentrate on who you are. You see, Mm -hmm. even my book, The Leadership Gap, which became a national bestseller, I think it became a national bestseller for the sheer fact is that Every other book in leadership talks about, you know, 10 ways to be great, 15 skills you need. And I concentrate on the person of who they are. Mm -hmm. Who are you being as you are leading? Because that will give you the what, the how, and the when. If you don't know the who you are, then you can't really do the processes or any of the skills. Like I can tell you right now, it takes 10 skills to be a great leader. But if you don't have the who you are right you're not going to get your leadership right. And so the first question I would like for people to ask themselves when they think about leadership is, who are they? What do they Mm. stand for? And what is important to them? And that's when is the beginning, like that's the foundational work of leadership for me. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that's fundamental, having that purpose of, of who you are and also why you want to lead if you are in that leadership position as well. I think sometimes people for example get pushed into a leadership role because they might feel like it's the common progression within their career um or they they don't know what else they're doing and sometimes you can find people in that position that are actually thinking they just found themselves and they don't really know why they're leading or or what they want to get from it and also how they want to be seen and, and what they want to create within themselves really or chris it's even more than that let's say a person is very, very passionate about something and something is very, very important to them. And most likely, they're not the kind of person that would speak up. But if Mm -hmm. who they are, is they're very passionate about it, they might speak up and then they can become a leader. Most people believe that a leader has a title, has a certain position. That is not true. The Mm. leaders that we admire, the leaders that we respect, are not necessarily the leaders with the titles and the positions. Think about the people in your own lives. 
We don't have the Steve Jobs in our lives or the Bill Gates in our lives, but there are people that we admire. And the reason Mm -hmm. that we admire them is for who they are. So that's the, I think, the foundational work that who are we? What are we passionate about? What do what matters to us? Because that's how we start to bring out the greatness within us. Mm, absolutely. And on that point as well, you know, saying that we have people around us that we admire and can see as great leaders is I think it's another thing that makes great leaders is that um, authenticity around yeah. them of just being themselves 24-7. I spoke to um, a guy called Alex Nemo Hans, and he said, you know, if you really want to be, if you really want to win in this day and age, be exactly who you are online, offline. And it's the same thing with when you're when you're working with people is just showing that your true colors constantly, whether you're in front of them, a client behind closed doors, just being yourself. Right. So one of my things in the very beginning, when I first started out, I made a little promise to myself. I, I said to myself, if Lolly, if you work with clients, if you work with anyone, any single person should always feel better after they've spoken to you, after you've had a conversation with you, after they've done work with you. And if not, then maybe you're not the right person for them. And that was able to make me be a very authentic coach that my clients say, you really care about me, don't you? Absolutely. Because when you come from care, when you come from being yourself, you show up authentically, that comes with character, that comes with integrity, that comes with all these wonderful skills and traits that most people look for in a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, uh, you know, uh, what, what really resonated with me in these these three things I'm always very mindful of from a coaching perspective as well is if I can empathize with people around me from a leadership perspective, if I can educate people around me, and if I can empower people around me, those are the, the key things I need to do because it's all about them and not about me. Right. That is beautifully said. And so you're, you just said something that is so poetically that I have been saying for three decades, but you say it so much better because uh, sometimes on panels, I get asked, how have you been in the business for so long and been so successful? And I always say coaching is not about me. Um, mm. When I coach a client, I'm not there to fix their problems. What I am is to have empathy. I'm there to empower. And what was your third one? I love it. And empathy, empower. Educate. And educate. Right. So the way I educate is not by telling people what to do, is by asking the right questions so they have the answers within themselves. So they do feel empowered to do what they need to do. And that's how people feel good about themselves. Because if you're always fixing things for clients, once something is fixed, they don't need you to be in their lives anymore. So Mm. if you're a kind of coach that educates through asking the right kind of questions, you could have three decades of a relationship with a client. Yeah, absolutely. And also from a leadership perspective as well, if you're constantly just telling people what to do rather than asking people how they can become more effective at it and asking the right, right. kind of questions, you're just going to come back to square one constantly where you might fix it short term, but long term, it's going to keep arising. Right. Absolutely. I love your, the E-E-E. I love it. I love it. I'm you can gonna, take it. It's yours. No, I don't want to take it. I, <laughs> I want to give credit to you. I think it's really powerful. It's very, very powerful. Yeah. And, um, and I think an, another one around that as well, for me, when I think about what makes great leaders is accountability as well. Yes. Is, is taking a step back. And I had another guest of mine on uh, Lauren Everts from the Skinny Confidential 
uh, who featured in Gary Vaynerchuk's latest book. And she said, you know, when things are, things are going wrong in my organization, I don't start with them. I start with myself. And right. I think, you know, what is happening and why does this keep happening? It's not necessarily because of them, because it might be different people. The common denominator here is me. Right. I need to be accountable for this. And by showing yourself that, it gives your team around you, I think, that that it builds your respect and that trust because they realize that you're in it together with them. It's not just you and them when it gets tough. So you just talked you just um, talked about a subject that my book opens up with, where a client came to me and said, I am the best leader. I am a leader that is always honest with my team. I am so honest. That's all I talk about is honesty. And honesty is my badge of courage. I mean, he kept talking to me about honesty, honesty, honesty. I always tell the truth. I'm a great leader. And then he said, but Lolly, I don't understand. All my best people are leaving me. And mm. I said to him, what have you ever lied about? And Chris, I thought he was going to pounce on me. I thought he was going to, he goes, what do you mean? I said, you're making this truth telling such a big deal. What are you lying? What did you do in your past? And he said, no one has ever asked me that, but I have a story to tell you. And he goes, I haven't told anybody this story. And then he proceeded to tell me a story that he, something happened to him when he was 18 years old, that he had lied about something very profound and he made a promise that if he wasn't punished or caught, that he would never lie again. And I said to him after he told me the story, and you can read about the story in my book, but after he told me the story, I said, this baggage about not telling a lie you've been carrying with you and you've made it into a problem that people around you cannot stand being around this kind of tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. Why don't you go and confess your story to the rest of the organization so you can become human so they understand who you are who you are and he goes no i could never do that i said please try it trust me on this and he called an um a worldwide like a town hall he brought everybody together those that couldn't attend in person called in and he told the story of when he was 18 years old and what he did and after he told that story, he said he was inundated with hundreds and hundreds of emails that people were thanking him about what he did, what he said, how he said it. And now they understood who he was. And now he was much easier to be around. And mm. 10 years later, he says to me, Lolly, my best people are still with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, right. If there's something going wrong in an organization, don't look at the people first. Look at your leadership first. Look at yourself first and see maybe you are causing something that is causing people to either leave you, not work as hard, not be as loyal, not to trust you. Always look within. Mm. And that story there, it really makes me think as well, not just uh, authenticity important, but vulnerability as a leader. And I think, you know, when people first hear that word, they think oh, I can't be vulnerable. I'm a leader. I need to, you know, show that I'm strong at all points. But that vulnerability really allows people to to connect with you and realize that you're you're a human being you're like them as well and that again is able to build that trust and that that culture around you and your team when you are in a leadership role or just in an organization where you're leading absolutely i remember sitting and having tea with him and i said vulnerability is your new strong and he goes mm. what does that mean i said try it you'll see 
And he always brings it back. He goes, Lolly, you said that to me all those years ago, and you are right. The more vulnerable that I am, the more authentic that I am, the better connected I am with my people. And it is such a strong skill. It's not a weakness. It's actually a strength. And that, I think, was a turning point in his relationship with me because he saw that what he thought was strong wasn't strong at all after all. It made him weak. Yeah. And we've probably touched on a couple of these, but from from the other side of things, what is it about individuals of their makeup, who they are, that stops them or limits them from becoming great leaders, do you think? The biggest thing that I have seen is the imposter syndrome. And I also talk about this in the book where most people think I'm not good enough, I'm not capable enough. And when you suffer from the imposter syndrome, it can keep you from your greatness. It can keep you from your purpose. Now, through psychology, I have learned in my research that the imposter syndrome comes from the driver of it, the foundation of it, comes when we're busy comparing ourselves to others. So if we're constantly looking over our shoulder and saying, oh, look what Chris is doing. Why can't I do that? Or look what Richard is doing. Why can't I do that? Or look at Emily. Why is she doing that? Why can't I do that? If you are in that space, you will continue to be in the imposter space. And no matter what, any opportunity that comes your way, you can't succeed because you're always busy looking in the wrong direction. So in order to succeed, in order to live your true potential, in order to become the leader you're meant to be, you have to stop looking back and you have to start looking within so you could look forward. That's the direction that most people have to face. The minute you look over to your shoulder, that means you're facing in the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think to add to that as well, it's you know, um, on, a, on a different end of things, it's also what stops leaders from becoming great leaders is also limiting those around them, their potential and not empowering them to be able to be the best version of themselves. And uh, I did a podcast the other week with Bobby Umar, um, who's a CEO and who's done a five TEDx talks, I believe. And we were talking about, you know, leaders, it's okay not to be the smartest person in the room, that there's going to be people around you that you can surround yourself with. And it's okay that those people might be better at that, but it allows you to stick to your strengths and sort of focus on the reason why you're in this position in the first place. Right. I think um, it's very, very telling if you have an individual that doesn't empower those around them. It says Mm -hmm. more about the leader than it says about the people around them. Um, If you think you mentioned Steve Jobs on the top of the podcast, one thing about Steve Jobs is he was a very smart man, but what he always did was hire people that were smarter than him. And that's a true telling of someone that is looking for creativity and innovation. That means that they're always continuing to learn. If a leader needs to be the smartest of the, in the room, they will have an organization that is status quo. It will never grow. So it says more about the leader than it says about the people that work for them. And it's very important to ask yourself, is this the culture that I want to be in if my leader thinks he's the smartest or she is the smartest in the room? Most likely, it's not a thriving culture. Mm, absolutely so from a kind of uh, aspect now from the listener's perspective around the kind of practicality of this if we've got people listening thinking okay you know that's what makes a great leader how do they start going about this like what are some s- steps or things that they can start focusing on to be able to start developing these kind of uh, things within themselves so the name of my company is called lead from within 
And I named that for a reason, to constantly remind myself that if I am going to do anything in this world, if I'm going to leave a mark, and that doesn't mean changing the whole world. It can mean doing something to, um, to an individual. It doesn't, you know, people think that their purpose in life is to, you don't need to be the top of the chain. You don't have to have the title. You don't have to do the, you know, have that position. In order to be a leader, you just have to leave your mark, right? And you can leave your mark in many ways. But in order to do that, the first thing is to lead from within, is to find out, like I said on the beginning of the podcast, what's important to you? What do you stand for? And when you know that, anything that happens during your that day or anything that happens with any interaction, any circumstance, any opportunity, you could always say, if this is important to me, if being let's say, leading with character is important to me, that in every opportunity that comes your way, any meeting, any conversation, you will lead with character. And because you do, you'll begin to leave little marks in the world. You will leave little indentations of you've been here. You will be, Mm. you know, what I think is very important is you will be remembered. So find out what is important to you, what you value more than anything else, And then start to lead by example. The biggest thing is about a leader is most people will say to themselves, you know, what do I need to do in the world? And that's the wrong kind of question. The question is, what does the world want from me? And when you you ask your the question is, what does the world want from me? All of a sudden, all these opportunities start to open up and everybody that you meet and every circumstance, every opportunity becomes a potential for greatness, becomes a potential for success. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I think as, as well on, on top of that, like you say, it's, it's being clear at the start, I suppose, of as that question you put there of, you know, what does the world need from me or want from me? Yeah. It's being clear on how do I want others to see me? How do I, if I am leading a team or if, I want, if I'm wherever, if I'm running my business or and thinking my brand, or if I'm running a team or if I'm within a role, and, and I've just my first role in the world of selling or whatever it might be, what do I start wanting people to know me for? Right. You know, because it's very easy to get caught and pigeonholed into a certain, it might be like the class clown, for example, if you just started your career and you think, I want everyone to like me, I care about other people's opinions. And as a result, you're actually not seen as, as a, a credible member of the team. Right. So it's being very clear from day one. And even now it's not too late to start thinking, okay, what are the three or four things? And when people talk about me that I wanted to describe me as, and I'll, how do I start focusing on that? Well, I want to talk about something. I just ran a workshop uh, for a whole bunch of sales individuals. And I said, so what are you known as? I asked each one, what are you known as? How does your clients know you? And one guy stood up and said, I'm the most annoying salesperson you've ever met. And he <laughs> said it with such pride. And I said, is that something you're you know proud of? He goes, you bet. I am so annoying. And um, we had a workshop. It was for three days. And then I went around the room and I asked the question again, what do you want to be known for? And he got up and I said, so do you still want to be known as the most annoying salesperson? And he goes, absolutely not. (laughs) And um, it was very interesting um, three days spending with a bunch of salespeople only because there's a certain way of thinking about who you need to be. Listen to what I Mm -hmm. said, who you need to be. Because, you know, the workshop, they thought I was going to come in and teach the best salespeople and give them all those processes. 
I didn't do that. I concentrated on each individual about who they were. So they walked out with a foundation and skills so they can be the best salesperson who they are. And they're not like the other person who was sitting next to them because all the other sales books that are out there teach you like, do this, do that. And I'm more about bring who you are every call, make it unique, stand out in that way. And it was very transformative for Mr. Annoying, very yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. And and as part of that as well, is what he took on board in that in that workshop with you. And what I think again is important for leaders is 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 being open to feedback. And it's not necessarily going out and asking for it, but that accountability piece you mentioned earlier is is key to being able to constantly develop and evolve your style and find out what you actually are standing for and how you how you want to be known for. Absolutely. Is is to always be reflecting whenever something happens, you know, something might not go as you planned or going wrong is always to start with within start with okay and it's the same way the other way around it's also looking at it when it goes well like whether that's leading a team to a certain project or a meeting or or something i think far too often we're so critical and spend time on looking at all the negatives that it's also analyzing the positives um you know it's a great story from the all blacks rugby team that when they they've got a different way of thinking so most teams when they lose They'll go out, they'll come in early the next day, sorry, and analyze their performance. And when they win, they'll go out and get drunk. But the All Blacks actually do it the other way around. <laughs> they lose, they'll go out and get drunk. And when they win, they'll come in early because they feel they can learn more from their wins than they can from their losses because it's easily easier to become more consistent with what you're already doing right. than change something you're not. And I think that's also important for leaders is to reflect on what's also working for you, not necessarily what's not. Right. Trust me, I did not tell Mr. Annoying that it wasn't working for him. It was a three-day workshop where he got up and said, I've come to the realization I don't want to be known as Mr. Annoying. Some That that whole process of looking within is not an easy process. Mm. And most people, most leaders, most individuals will say to me, Lolly, I don't want to do that. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I always say I'm the wrong person. I think we need to do, I know we need to do the hard work because then everything else will come easy. Because if you don't look thin, then you don't know how to act on the outside. So uh, Mr. Annoying did a lot of inner work to become Mr. He was so funny. He goes, I am going to be known as Mr. Authentic. And that was a great, I mean, that was for me as a coach was the biggest win in a long time because he had come such a f- long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a really simple of an al- analogy when I think of that when people sometimes come to you and say, can you do this to me? Can you do that? It's like, I can't, you need to find it within yourself. It's, it's as simple as tying your shoelaces. If, if you never learned how to tie your shoelaces in life, you'd constantly, each day someone would do it for you, but the next day you need them to keep doing it again. Yeah. But by enabling yourself to do it, you you've created something that you can you can focus on and it's you know this is a whole different probably topic that, that we could discover on a whole different podcast a whole different the, podcast we can call on, that on podcast really yeah <laughs> the podcast Tiny laces. or teach them how to fish yeah you know? yeah. yeah and i think uh, i think too many people in in this world will jump into uh, on the other side as well coaches or salespeople and, and whatever into pitching and telling people when it's actually more about the questions and asking and yes that's where the real beauty is is yes. getting someone to buy through the power of questioning to get them to to find that answer within themselves as opposed to just giving it to them exactly that's that's the biggest key for my success has been asking the right questions 
So you're doing all the right questioning now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, on the, on the topics of, of questions, and you've, you've mentioned it uh, a couple of times during the podcast, but I'd really love to know what, the ins- what was the inspiration or what was the aha moment for you when you thought, you know, I need to write a book. I need to get this why no out there. Interestingly enough, um, I had a different aha moment. I was going to write, um, this is being totally authentic and transparent, a very fluffy book. You know, the 10 questions most leaders have to ask themselves. It was, it was because something that was around my coaching and questions that I asked my clients. And I was shopping around my book proposal. And most of the publishing houses were like, yeah, this is really good. This is really good. And there was one publishing house that said, this is horrible. This is really bad. He, and they said to me, what have you been doing for all these years that makes you successful? And I said, well, I teach this system called the Rethink System, and it teaches people how to really develop the inner leader within themselves. And they said, wow, that's really interesting. Why don't you write about that? I said, oh, I could write about that. And I have bunches of stories about all my clients, but I would have to change their names. And they said, that's a much better book. And if you write that book, we'll publish it. And so that's what happened. Wow. <laughs> good good, um, good story there to share. And what do you think that you've learned most from, from your career, Lolly, about yourself, whether that's sort of, you know, two or three things or it might have been a particular point that you've well, actually realized? The thing is, it's just from this one story that I just said, I don't have all the answers. I'm not always right. And if I don't stay open to learning and exploring all the time, then I'm not going to grow. And so with every opportunity, with every conversation, I am the student and I'm not the master or the teacher. I have a lot of, you know, training. Um, I've mastered lots of modality in my coaching career, but that's not how I show up. I always show up in a form of a student and very curious and in the best learning lesson of my life because I learn so much every single day from every opportunity and every circumstance. Mm. And, and where do you find that you source most of your learning or inspiration or, or knowledge from? Is it a particular person or topic or area or, or platform? So for me, I read a book a day. And for me, reading is educational. Reading empowers me. And I concentrate on biographies a lot because I, you know, if you think about this, all the people that we admire, that we have looked up to in our lives, many things have been said about them, but they only talk about that one thing that they were able to create. What was really going on in their lives for the 365 days until they got to that invention or they got to be the person that we admire? It is those 365, you know, the the 360 days that they weren't that person, that great person that I'm really interested because that's where the humanity is. That's where the lessons are. And, you know, with like with Edison, he failed 10,000 times and then he tried again. What was it like for all those failures? What was his mindset? What was his attitude with Henry Ford, with Dale Carnegie, with any, you know, Maria Curie or anybody that you can think of? There's a story. There's a there's a biography about Mother Teresa. Now, Mother Teresa, at the end of her life, became a saint. But do you know that her whole life? 
um, from the age, uh, not her whole life, but from the age of 18 until the day she died, she felt betrayed by God because she never heard his voice. And she suffered every single day. If you read her diaries, if you read her biography, you will see how every single day this saint suffered because she felt she wasn't connected to God like she wanted to be. But she showed up anyway, and she did what she was meant to do anyway. And it taught me great lessons. So for me, reading a book, a biography teaches me great lessons that become my mentors, become my coaches. Mm. And I think there's also a very important message and and lesson in there, as you've mentioned about, you know, what about the 365 days beforehand in this day and age of social media with this instant um, messaging and all these things instantly. And you see people pop up on your feed and you think, oh, look, they become, you know, where did he come from? You don't see those hard yards and those things straight away. You just see the kind of polished articles sometimes and people then perceive that, oh, I can never be like that because, I, you know, they just seem perfect. But it's you don't hear about until you read those kind of books or dig a bit deeper into their story. I mean, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, Lewis Howe's podcast, School of Greatness, with Rachel Hollis. Um, and she was talking about that, you know, her book that launched this year, um, Girl, Wash Your Face, uh, she'd done five books beforehand, two of which had been cooking books, and they they plummeted and done nothing. But to people just looking at her now, they think, oh, wow, this woman's so successful. But she put the hard graft in for years to get there. And it's just people reminding themselves of that, that look, it's not going to be instant. There is a lot of work. And, you know, if you have that passion and that pursuit of something and desire and the execution to couple with it, then you're capable of that as well. Absolutely. Well, Lolly, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your, your, your insights, your stories and, and your knowledge on, on this podcast. It's been great. Well, thank you. It's great talking to you. You have a very poetic way of speaking. This is a great podcast. Oh, thank you. And thanks very much for that. And for the listeners who, who want to stay up to date, Lolly, in, in your world and what's going on and, f- and find your book and other aspects of what you're doing, how can they find you? So my baby is The Leadership Gap, which is my book. And you can find it on Amazon or in most bookshops. It's been translated into 10 different languages. So all around, it's available around the world. Um, I just got my new Portuguese um, book in the mail. And my website... Twitter, I interestingly enough for me, Twitter, you'll never find out what I've had for lunch, but I'll always be there trying to bring value to individuals, how to lead from within and how to embrace their greatness. So look me up on social media under Lolly Dasko, read my blog and buy my book if you are serious about answering the question, what does the world want from me? Great. Well, thank you again, Lolly. It's been a real pleasure. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thank you. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.